and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? Relationally, financially, with our health or our business? And how do we keep ourselves motivated without feeling discouraged that things are just not happening fast enough? Can you relate? I know for me, when I'm ready for a change or I've set myself a goal, I would like it yesterday. When it's really day by day that we take consistent action that we see lasting change. And this is exactly why I created my dream life journals. We first started with the dream life daily journal and now we have the dream life everyday journal as well. Because picking one goal to focus on and working through it every day will help you to create a personal vision that is one you can stay excited about. In the Dream Life Everyday Journal, you'll learn why loving your life today is vitally connected to living your best life in days to come. You'll also learn the keys to making those bad days a thing of the past, including the power of gratitude and how it jumpstarts success, how reflection can lead to you taking massive action despite setbacks, the one action you can take right now to break negative cycles and behaviors forever. Don't let the naysayers or your own negative mindsets stand between you and your dreams. This easy-to-use guide equips you with the tools to not only chart your progress to success, but also to embrace the journey to a dream life. Visit dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to learn more and purchase your copy today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am super excited and honored and humbled to have our next guest with us today because 10 years ago, his book was a pivotal moment in my career. You guys know I've been an entrepreneur now for almost 12 years, and I feel like this book in 2009 was the one that took me from, oh, just signing up distributors here and there to really working to create a culture and a team that wins. And that is not something that happens on accident. It's absolutely intentional. And the anatomy of winning was a pivotal piece for me to dig deep myself and then teach others how to do the same thing. Our next guest believes that everybody needs a coach in life. But Not just any coach, a super coach, a unique blend of intensity and mindset of a former champion coach combined with an entrepreneurial skill set. It's the skills, it's the focus, it's the dedication, it's the intense belief that our next guest has to offer. And through his deep methodology of inner engineering people to win, his championship coaching acumen, and his versatility to connect with both blue-collar and white-collar industries, our next guest has quickly become one of the most sought-after motivators and hottest business coaches in the world. So give a big dream cast welcome to Coach Michael Burt. Wow, nice. And you took me back. You took me back. (laughs) You know, when I wrote that book, The Anatomy of Winning, man, it had such great memories because I I had just come off the championship season. I had just come off the best season of my coaching career. I wanted to share how we did it. You can only share it after you've done it, you know? So uh, you took me back to, to some very fond memories and moments in my life. So thank you for that. 
Oh my goodness. Well, I have to share, we read this book as a book club for our entire team. And I called Barnes and Noble and I said, this is before social media, you guys. And so I called Barnes and Noble and I said, Hey, do you guys have anatomy of winning in stock? And they said, Oh my goodness, is this speaker been in town recently because everybody is asking about him. So in our little town of Grand Rapids, Michigan, you certainly made a wave. So for those who don't know your story quite yet, would you mind sharing a little bit about that championship you won and then going into the anatomy of winning? I found my voice very early in life. I do think there's a clear difference between a vocation and an occupation. You know, an occupation is that which occupies your time, which you receive a paycheck for, vocation from the Latin term voice or calling in life. At 15 years old, I started coaching junior pro basketball, and I knew immediately that I was supposed to be a coach. It was one of those things that, thank the good Lord, I just found my calling very early in life. I, there was no confusion about my calling. It was very clear, crystal to me. So I was coaching junior pro at 15. I became a head coach at a local elementary school at 18. And at 19, I was at the second largest high school in Tennessee called Riverdale High School. And by 21, I was named the head coach there, which made me the youngest head coach in the state of Tennessee at one of the largest high schools in Tennessee. So very early in life, I'm in the ball game, right? I'm not trying to figure it out. I'm not confused. I'm not trying to find my way in life. Like I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, to kind of preset the anatomy of winning, at 18 years old, I started studying Dr. Stephen Covey. Covey wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He wrote Principle-Centered Leadership, First Things First. And one of the main components that a lot of people missed in The Seven Habits was the whole person theory. And the whole person theory says that each person is made up of four parts, a body, a mind, a heart, and a spirit. Each of those parts produce four different needs, four different dimensions, four different capacities, four different intelligences. So at 18, I make up my mind, I'm going to find a way to touch all four parts of a person's nature. This was really kind of preset my inner engineering people, because you can't inner engineer a person until you understand the whole person. Okay, you can't just work on the body, that's skill, or the mind, that's knowledge or the, the heart, that's emotion. So I start using this model, Denise. I start using this model every day with my players. I'm doing success academies, leadership academies, all these things. I'm teaching my players the seven habits of highly effective people, good to great, five dysfunctions of teams. And this was in 1999, almost like, like you said, almost before the internet was even started. <laughs> so it was, it was young and interesting. So we started to have success because we had success. People were constantly asking me what I was doing because they were constantly asking me. I began writing books about the methodology I was using. So 25, I wrote book one, then book two, then book three. And then at 31, I won that championship I had been looking for. And that's when I decided to retire from athletic coaching and do what I do today, which is coach people all over the world. Mm, so good. And you're the four, the four aspects of people you said, heart, mind, body, and then what was the fourth Spirit. one? Spirit. Spirit. And so when you really touch on and teach and, and coach to all four aspects, all part of your player is feeling filled and growing. Is that right? Yeah, because what good is it to have skills, that's the body, with no desire, that's the heart? What, what good is it to have uh, knowledge, that's the mind, with no confidence, that's the spirit? So a lot of sales training programs or programs out there, they teach sales tactics. They teach, uh, and that's all they hit. So what happens if I'm brokenhearted or my spirit is crushed or, you know, I mean, I, I'm still, I'm not going to go sell anymore. If these parts of my nature are not functioning at a high level, 
I'm not going to perform at a high level. So too many people, when you don't understand the whole person, you don't understand how to touch all four parts of their nature. You're only touching one part typically, and that's the body, that's skill. Yeah, it reminds me, people ask me all the time, what do you do? What do you do? If I were a fly on your wall, what do you do? And I think that's half of it. The more important question, like the, who you be, because who I be influences what I do in a much grander way. And it sounds like your philosophy hits on all of that. Yeah, it does. You know, it's almost the anatomy of belief, the anatomy of winning, the anatomy of building a culture, the anatomy of building a person. The way you build a culture is you build the people, build each individual person. You know, very, very similar to your business. When you're, when you're building your team out, how much time have you spent with your top leaders? How much time have you poured your knowledge and your skill and your desire and your confidence? See, that's the distribution channel that's happening. The way you duplicate anything is you codify your knowledge, your skill, your desire, your confidence, and you distribute it to your team members so that there's no slippage between the way you think and the way they think, what you believe and what they believe. That's how you build an organization if each individual person aligns with the same beliefs. Mm, I love that. Let's talk more about building a culture and a team that that wins. What are you, some things that you do individually that then impacts the whole? Here's what I believe. I have come to learn that I shouldn't bring people onto my team that don't believe the same things I do and try to convince them to believe it. I need, I need to go out into the world and be very bold about what I believe. I believe everybody needs a coach. I believe those that have a coach out earn those that don't. I believe trained people outperform untrained people. I believe training is not something you did one day. It's something you do every day. So when, when, when I have these core beliefs, I believe work is the distribution channel for a person's talents. I don't believe it's just a job that you pick up a paycheck. I believe your whole person should be engaged with it because you are distributing your God-given talents to the world through your work. So if I bring a person onto my team that don't believe those things, Denise, what if they believe in showing up late and leaving early? What if they believe work is just an occupation to pick up a paycheck? What if they believe they believe in transaction versus transformation? We're going to have conflict. We're going to have disagreement. We're going to have because we don't line up on what we believe. So to me, building a team is about first knowing what you believe and then attracting people that believe the same things you do versus trying to convince people to believe what you believe. One of the things you say in Anatomy of Winning is that the number one trait in a leader is trust. Can you elaborate on that? Well, I think about trust differently than than the way most people think about trust. Most people think about trust is the best predictor of future behavior is past relevant behavior. And that's a good way of trust. Like I give you assignments, you don't do those assignments, or you didn't complete it, or you didn't follow through. Therefore, I can't trust you in the future. But trust is also about vulnerability. Trust is also that I know your weakness, but I don't judge you for your weakness. You know my weakness, but you don't judge me for my weakness. And we all have kryptonite, by the way. I have weaknesses. Everybody on my team has weaknesses. The concept there is how do we strengthen those weaknesses? How do we complement each other's weaknesses? That's really the concept of trust. And it reminds me of creating a culture where people feel like they can be weak and still supported. Yeah, we did a retreat this weekend with Tim Grover, who wrote the book Relentless. He was Michael Jordan's coach, Kobe Bryant's coach, Dwayne Wade's coach. And on Saturday, the level of vulnerability went to a, a much higher level because Tim had every person in the room stand up and tell one thing that nobody knew about them. And it got into some deep things, drugs, addictions, attempted suicides, 
I mean, and now what happened as a result of those vulnerable moments was the group bonded. After that, they were no longer just wanting to talk to Tim and I. They wanted to talk to each other. So on the break, they're all communicating with your wife. They've shared a vulnerable moment. They have they have let their guard down. Everybody has kryptonite in their life. Everybody has the dark side in their life. Everybody has this in their life. So his point was, how do we now use that as fuel? And he called it controlled rage, you know, controlled rage. How do you control it and use it for a positive versus a negative? Why is it so important for the leader to be intentional about this? Because most leadership is random and sporadic. Most leadership, there's no system. So let me give an example. We coach people in five areas. Okay. If I were coaching your team and I have through my books, but if I was coaching them, coaching them, here's where I would coach them. How they explain their services. We call that the explanation of service. Uh, so they have something valuable to say when they get in front of people. How they generate new opportunities. Call them leads. Call them whatever you want to call them. How they work a system to generate new leads every day. How they follow up, which is why I wrote the book Million Dollar Follow Up. How they extract referrals and new relationships out of their current base. And ultimately, how they become people of interest. These are five big areas that I coach people in. So I try to eliminate the confusion of, of if you just do these five things, you're going to grow, right? If you just do this every day, you're going to grow. If you're intentional every day, you're going to grow. But, but let me tell you human nature, Denise. You know this because you coach a lot of people. Human nature is to start with good intention, get excited, start something, fall off the wagon. So easy to fall off the wagon for whatever reason and then feel guilty or experience guilt associated with that. The guilt is associated with grief, by the way. What you're grieving is your lost potential. All this potential you had that you didn't activate. So that's where the grief comes in. So a good coach is constantly in a war and it is a war trying to break this cycle of I got excited. I started something. I don't have the discipline to to see it through. And the coach is constantly reminding you and re-inspiring you stay the course see it through to its conclusion have the discipline and motivation that's what we're trying to do we're really trying to break that cycle Ooh, that's so good because i see that myself all the time you know the honeymoon phase wears off or people have their first no or they you know have that disappointment and it's so easy for people to give up this day and age and it's probably because in so many people's minds it's a vocation it's not a calling. You know, it's a thing to do. It's a hobby. It's a job. It's a J-O-B. It's, but it's not something that's connected to their heart. And one thing that you've done so well is, number one, as the leader, you know who you are and you know what you want. And you are moving forward and you're inviting people on this journey with you. And you're sharing your ups and downs and being vulnerable and creating a safe place so people can learn and grow too. But then you're also helping your team get connected with their why, you know, their inner spark. And you mentioned so many times in the book that it's, you know, it's not our job to to push and pull them. It's our job to help them learn the skills of intrinsic motivation. Can you tell us a bit more about how you do that? Well, I call that coming with batteries included. I like when people come with batteries included. Well, most people have not found their voice in life. Most people are confused. Confusion is a problem that appears to have no solution to it. Confusion is randomness in motion. Most adults have no idea what their voice in life is. They have no idea what their unique ability is. They have no idea what their unique talents are. Now, because of that, they wander into jobs uh, that don't push them. The job doesn't challenge them, doesn't force them to go deeper, doesn't force them to find their voice and calling in life. Therefore, they operate in a mechanical mode, it's just going through the motions, just trying to live for the weekend, just trying to make it through the day. 
Why? There's no enthusiasm. That's the heart. There's no confidence. That's the spirit. There's no skill development. That's the body. There's no mental stimulation. That's the mind. So basically, we're just wandering generalities out in the world with no purpose and no direction. And we're just kind of just living for enjoyment. We're not. Listen, I'm, I'm here to live for enjoyment, but I'm, I'm really driven by impact. I'm much more driven by impact than I am enjoyable. And, and I tell my wife this, your desire to help people has got to overcome your desire to be comfortable, which is why she wrote the book Living with a Monster, you know, which is her new book, because it's how do you live with a driven and obsessed person? And the point there was you, you're talented enough to write a book. You should be helping other people with this. Write the book. Right. But she needed me to push her to see that. So I think the people that work with me every day, it's, it's going to be challenging. Because I'm going to push, I'm going to challenge, I'm going to work every muscle I can to try to get them to find their voice in their life. Because when they do, they're not going to need motivation from me. They, they've got their own motivation. That's right. Uh, it says true leadership comes down to when you help another unlock potential and not force them into it. And so what are some ways you help people unlock that voice for themselves? Well, it goes back to my definition of coaching and training. Coaching and training is engaging a person in a set of systematic behaviors that allows them to do something tomorrow they cannot do today. So, for example, they don't have the knowledge they need to be successful. That's why they got me. They don't have the skill yet they need to be successful. That's why they got us. All they have to bring is the heart and the confidence. We can teach them the skill, but it has to be systematic. It has to be ongoing. It has to be, cannot be random and sporadic, which is what a lot of people do. Everything's random. Everything's sporadic. There's no depth. One thing I've got to do right now because I have a new team is I have to spend more time with each individual team member to make sure we're in alignment with what we believe and what we're doing as a result of those beliefs. That's not going to happen through emails. It's not going to happen through text messages. It's going to happen through true transformation of spending time and energy with other people. Now, here's an example. Last year, I coached a real estate broker that was doing $100 million of production with nine real estate agents, which is unheard of. Okay? And I'm constantly watching him like, what are you doing? Like, how are you doing it? Every week, spends time with his people. Once a month, they have dinner at his house. They go on a big retreat together every year. He says no to anything that doesn't have to do with his team. His total focus is on his team. Okay? And how he can feed them. The body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit, how he can pour into them, which takes an enormous amount of commitment. And with me personally, we're servicing 700 to 1,000 people a month. All of those people want something from me in the form of energy, knowledge, skill. So there's a balancing act between giving it to my team and multiplying that way so they don't all just need me to show up every day. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I hear you say a couple of things. Number one, it really is helping them to create success habits uh, because when they grow outside their comfort zone, when they do something they've never done before, when they feel that that excitement or that success themselves, they'll be more motivated to do it again. And so creating the consistency, the success habits gives them the skills, the confidence and the passion to keep going. But it is truly all about the people and there's time in that. So I've got two questions about the people side of things. The first one is in my business, I'm always enrolling new people, yet I still have leaders from six, eight, 10 years ago, and they all need different things. It sounds like you're also coaching a lot of different types of people. How do you meet people where they're at and grow them in a systematic way that doesn't blow your mind away? Right. That's a great question. We have structured our coaching program 
to where at the end of the day, I am the coach of all of these people. And, and what, what I mean by that is with technology today, we can virtually coach everybody. So, for example, today at 430, I do a Monday accountability session every Monday that every member of our coaching company uh, has access to. So they feel like they're getting me every Monday for 20 minutes. Then I do a Tuesday and Thursday rhythm in our private Facebook group, which is a coaching session. Then I teach our coaching program uh, up to seven times live in a month that they can pick and choose which one they come to and watch online. Then they get an email, two emails a week. So what I've tried to do is give them 10 to 12 touches every 30 days. And if they don't participate in it with that much involvement, then they're not serious about getting better at the end of the day. It's just that simple. So I have tried to structure the program where they can learn from me as much because I hear that complaint a lot in other coaching programs. Like, well, we read your book. We, we signed up to get Coach Burt, but we got Coach Kurt. And Coach Kurt is not as good as Coach Burt. So what I try to do is structure this program. Now, some people look at my model and go, it's not scalable. It'll never work that way. And there are things we're doing. We have an online academy that has all of my content and information in there. My team trains in there weekly. A lot of our top customers train. So they're getting coaching from me personally. I'm the creator of the content. So this is how I train large numbers of people. And we also have segregation within our coaching program. We have higher levels. We have a basic level. Then we go to 25,000 level. Then we go to 40,000, 60,000 and 100,000. And for those different levels, they get different experiences. They get different things. They get more access to me. So um, just like this retreat we did this weekend where they can spend intimate time with me. I'm doing a retreat. I was on the phone this morning with a, with a company that's doing a retreat with their team. Be like you bringing in your top eight to 10 people and they're going to spend two or three days with me at my lodge in Tennessee bonding, but I'm going to be coaching them for those two or three days. So, so we have different things for different people, but my goal is we, we should be coaching you every day in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you have a system, again, you're creating the success habit. So people know when you are going to show up, when you're going to be there, you're consistently adding value. You're consistently asking them to dig deep and push more and grow and learn. And you're creating the roadmap for, for them to do so. so. So their job is to simply show up, learn and apply. Now, the other question I have about working with people, because we both believe that people are, I feel like we both see them three steps ahead of where they see themselves. In a sense, that's kind of what got me into psychology is I was working with foster children and I was like, they don't know how awesome they are. Like, oh my goodness, I, my job is to pour belief into them. And and I realized adults don't either. They don't know how awesome they are. And my job is to pour belief into them and help raise them up to their, you know, to, to beat their own current expectations. But life happens and adversity happens and people can feel beat down after that. But one of the quotes that I see in your book, it says, frustration is just misguided enthusiasm. So how do you use the rough times in life to help people grow? I have a saying, you've, you've used the word habits and successful habits a lot. There's a book and the title of the book alone is all you need to know. It's called Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Okay, if you study mastery, people that master anything have a long obedience in the same direction. Typically, 10,000 hours of practice is when they break through. Their 10th year is when they have significant breakthrough. So to do that, you can't be inconsistent. You can't have a long obedience. You can't have a short obedience in the same direction. Expect to be great. The truly great people have been working in the same direction towards something for years and decades. Okay. So when you're thinking about that concept of just performing at a high level and performance at a high level, you, I don't believe in cotton candy. 
I don't believe in short-term fixes to long-term problems. I don't believe that you're going to become great by kind of practicing a little bit every day. I believe that these are habits that you got to produce day in and day out. And, and that's what makes you great. That is if you have a desire for mastery. If you don't have a desire for mastery, try a bunch of things, be mediocre at all, at all of them. But you're never going to get to the highest levels of performance, which is why so few of, of people are at the top. Right. Right. And when you have ups and downs and hardships and heartbreak and all of the emotions, it really is just a speed bump because your eyes are on the long game. Now, I want to say something to that. When you study, I just did this whole month, I'm teaching how to handle conflict, how to handle monster conflict. When I studied conflict, the biggest revelation I had that I didn't understand is I started studying movies because great movies have a plot. There's a character, there is a journey, there is conflict. The conflict actually creates the emotion you need to do big things in the world. Emotion doesn't come from desire, which is what I thought. I thought, well, Denise has got a desire. She's all charged up. No, most likely she's got the fire and the juice she needs to go do something big because she had some conflict at some point. The conflict created the emotion and you need the emotion. So you actually need the conflict and the bad things that happen to you in life to really have the momentum and energy to do something big if that makes sense. Now, that's an interesting way of looking at it. And I always use, I did not have a, a good relationship with my father growing up. He was never around. He never hugged me. He never told me he loved me. He never, you know, and, and for many years, I harbored that as a negative. Now that I'm 42, I look back on it and go, well, maybe that's why I wrote the book Person of Interest. Maybe that's why I become Coach Burt. Maybe it's because I want, yeah, I become known in the world. So should I go back and be mad at my father or should I go back and thank him? I actually should thank him because I probably wouldn't be the man I am today. I probably wouldn't be the dad I am today to my daughter. I probably wouldn't be. You understand what I'm saying? Like, so that conflict I had for many years, I saw it as a negative when it was actually the, I needed the emotion from the conflict to go do what I've done in this world. Yeah, absolutely. I think it takes us for out of the victim into, you know, the empowerment of saying, you know, I might not have wanted it to be that way, but I'm not going to stay here and I'm not going to live in this, this victimness or this, I wish I could have, should have, would have, whatever, right? You're taking whatever negative situation has happened and there may be a time for grief, but then you move on and you use it as fuel and you use it as a way that, you know, that we always say, right? Why is our born out of a blessing or a burden? Yeah. And sometimes it's a burden, but you know what? You can take that and you can flip it and you can do, go do so much good with it. So before I move on to what you're doing now, is there anything else in terms of creating a culture that wins that you'd want to add? Culture will eat strategy any day of the week. It doesn't matter how good the strategy is, if the culture won't support it. I walk into cultures every single day that they're not even close to being receptive for high performance. Typically because the leader, the leader is defensive. The leader is know-it-all. You can clearly see the team is not performing at a very high level. All, all confusion in any company is created by the leadership. Hmm. Okay. So I walk into cultures every day. I can, th I can, I mean, one jumps out at me right now. I'm, I've met the problem and the problem is the leader. Now the leader is going to tell me the problem is, is this unit, that unit, these people. No, the problem is the mindset of the leader. So when it comes to culture, you study systems thinking, which I did uh, as part of my multiple degrees, I studied systems thinking. And when you study systems thinking, the person who has the most impact over any system is the leader. So, so when you think about this, you know, 
I go into places and people say, well, if you could just fix all these crazy people, this would be great. And you know, if you just get them producing at a high level, we got to constantly bring that back on us. When I get upset with my team, I really get upset with me because I didn't train them properly. I didn't set clear expectations. I didn't slow down long enough to show them the right way to do it. So it's really not their fault for screwing up. It's my fault for not teaching them what they should be doing. And I think that's the, the mindset of every leader is we got to bring it back to us. And I, I built a championship culture. The way I built it was day by day. The, the house of success is built one brick at a time. And so the way I'm building a culture here today and, and what I'm doing today is one brick at a time. It ain't pretty some days. There's a lot of frustration there because we're trying to do such big things in the world. You know, I remember you know, Facebook at one time, one of their mottos was move fast and break things. You know, move fast and break. Well, that's kind of my motto is we move fast, we break things, but that's okay. I'm okay with that we're, because we're in pursuit of something. You know, we got a finite amount of time, but we got a lot to do in that period of time. You can feel your passion and you can feel that you it's not coming from a head space of wanting more. It's coming out of the heart space, the, the gut space of wanting to be more and wanting to help everyone else be more too. And you guys can totally relate to how, why I fell in love with this book. And like pages are falling out because I've done leadership calls with it over and over and over and over again, because at the heart of any culture, at the heart of any success are excited passionate and connected people. So if you're taking a look at a leader who is creating a successful culture, it sounds like they're humble, they're trustworthy, they're vulnerable, they're open. What are some characteristics that you would see in somebody who's doing it well? Yeah, you, you said those characteristics. I look for an enlightened people. And the word enlightened does not mean elitist. The word enlightened means to shine light on darkness. So enlightened people are open to anything, closed off to nothing. They do not bring a narrow mind to the equation. So, so if, if, if you said, Hey coach, I want you to look at my organization. And I said, look, Denise, there's three things I think you could do. You, you can do maybe differently or maybe better. Maybe you're looking at this the wrong way. An enlightened person will go, thank you for that feedback. A defensive person or a closed minded person will go, well, don't you know how successful I am? After all, I've been doing it 10 years. I got the number one team in, on the, in planet Earth. Yes, yes, I do know that. But here's my point. When people give me feedback, I take that feedback in because I'm open to anything, closed off to nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter and I were taking a bike ride last night and I asked her if she knew what the word transformation means. She's six years old. And I said, give me a definition of transformation. She's like, well, when you take, you know, when you share a message with people, that she and I said, "Are you meaning information or transformation?" She's like, "No, Dad. I I, I, under, I understand what transformation is. When you take a message to people and it affects them or changes them, I'm like, you got it, girl. That's it. I didn't know that what that word meant till I was 30 years old. So, so when you think about this, I think this concept that you're talking about of I'm looking to look. I'm hungry for people who are hungry. I'm only looking for people that are looking for me." Okay, I'm not looking to convince people to be hungry. I'm looking for hungry people that want to go do something big in the world, not small, not local, global. Okay, my my playing field is planet Earth. It's not in my little city where I live. It's all over the world. So that's the kind of people I try to attract. And I can tell you within 15 seconds, Denise, if if you're one of those people, I can tell a because of what you did with my book, because of how you shared with the team. We didn't even have to know each other for me to know within a minute that you're an enlightened person. So, so, so that's the kind of people I'm looking for. 
Hmm. I love it. Okay. So I do want to mention you guys, he, we were talking before we pressed record and he said that when he wrote this book, he couldn't even sell it to coaches. And I think that's hilarious because there's so much value here, but you're right. If you think you know it all, then you're not quite open. You're kind of in your lane and your eyes aren't open. Now, one question I have is how do you keep yourself motivated? How do you keep your vision strong? How do you keep yourself inspired to continue to to pour out to all these people every day? You know, one of my philosophies is I go to bed tired and I wake up hungry. I go to bed broke and I wake up at zero every day. And I think that's something my mother, who, who was a single mom, instilled in me. I call it prey drive. Prey drive is an instinctual ability to see something and go get it. I do reboot. I use the weekends. I think low performance people use the weekends to escape life. Okay. So what do they do? And I did this for a period of my life. They escape. They, they're looking for some escape because they can't get fed in all parts of the nature through the week. And I did that for many years of my life. Work hard, play hard, waste the weekends, start all over on Monday at zero. Now I think high performance people use the weekends to reboot and reboot could be spending time in nature. It could be, it could be, I, I listen to a lot of things on the weekends. You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I get interested and curious. I'm a curious person. Like this weekend, I was listening to uh, Bruce Lipton, The Biology of Belief. And I'm so I'm just, I'm listening to every interview he did. And I'm reading his literature. And, and that gives me a whole other dimension to my nature. So I, I think that's how I re-inspire myself. I'm constantly reaching up and getting around people that are performing at higher levels than me. Like Tim Grover. Like who gets to spend three days with the guy who coached Michael Jordan? for 15 years, you know? And so we're having dinner together. We're texting each other and we're calling each other. And, and, and so my big belief is never be happy, but don't be satisfied. Be happy with, with life, but don't be satisfied where you are. Constantly be curious. That's how, I, that's how I reinvigorate myself. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love to say I'm content and ambitious. I love where I am, but I know where I'm going. And <laughs> I think that staying connected to that personal vision. And I love what you said, staying around people who are also hungry keeps you filled up too. So how do you raise your level of people you're hanging around? Do you know, if you're the, the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So how do you go find a new room? To hang out in? Well, it's interesting because it's not hard to spend time with big time people. If you just step back, I mean, they, they offer opportunity for you to be around them. They have conferences you can go to. There's been very few people in the world that I haven't been able to get access to. If I showed hunger, hey, I'm going to be in town. I'd love to just come and watch you work for the day. You don't even have to talk to me. I would just like to observe how you work for a day. I've spent time with people that are worth almost a billion dollars. I spent time with some of the top people in the world doing what they do. And many times it's because I had something valuable to offer them that they wanted. There was something interesting I created they were interested in, right? So it wasn't hard to get their attention. But at the end of the day, they were really interested in my curiosity. They called me and said, look, I'm coming to Tennessee. I'd like to just spend a day watching you and your teamwork. I'd say, come on. Great. Bring a notebook. We're going to have a big day. Come on a day when I fly on my private jet. We'll fly somewhere cool and do something. You can go two or three cities with me. See what is. Listen, I'm open. I'm an yeah. open book for people. But, but you would be shocked how many people don't do that. They'll call one time and say, I want to buy you a cup of coffee. Or they don't work to get your attention. And they don't come back. And they don't follow up. And then we never hear from them again. And, you know, it's like if I'm hungry, to, I could spend time with anybody if I was hungry enough to do it. I guarantee I could find somewhere they're going to be at. That's the curiosity a person has got to have to be great. 
Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I mean, I sought you out and asked you to be a part of this podcast, knowing the value that you add and and knowing that I can help you get your message out. And it was a win-win street, but it was something where I had to ask and I had to email and I had to reach out and go back and forth. And I think that so many times we don't either have the confidence or we don't think that we're worth it or we don't, we stop ourselves before we even try when you're right. Those people that are three steps ahead of where we are probably have programs, probably have events, probably have masterminds that we could all be a part of. Yes. And don't be cheap in your thoughts. It costs, it costs a few thousand dollars to go get around a person like, like people that came this weekend and spent time with Tim Grover and I. You know, some of those people paid 4500 bucks, but some people go, oh my God, that's a lot of money. Listen, it ain't a lot of money if you make a million dollars as a result of what you learned. And people don't buy a book because they say, well, it's 25 bucks or I can buy it on Amazon for 12. Here's my point. That anatomy of winning book you bought, I don't know what you bought it for, but I guarantee you, it's, hey, it's its giving you the, its money's worth. It has. So, absolutely. So absolutely. My point is, is the book worth 25 bucks or is it worth, what is it really worth? You don't know. I've, I've read a book, a bad book that was worth a couple million dollars to me. So my point is, it, we look at things the wrong way. We look at things as an expense. What would it be an expense to go spend a weekend with Coach Berg? It'd be an expense. I got to get on a plane. I got to go to this conference. You're looking at this the wrong way. You need to look at it as what will I learn that I don't know that I need? See, if you had the information you needed, you'd be operating at a higher level. And my buddy Tim Story, I'm doing a retreat with Tim Story in just a few weeks in Vero Beach. And that's Robert Downey Jr.'s coach, some of the top celebrity coach. And here's one thing he says. Sometimes you got to live out of your sacrifice before you get to live out of your surplus. Okay. Most big time people borrow money from somebody to learn something. I borrowed 2,500 bucks from my mother at 25 years old to go through the seven habits of highly effective people and get certified. I didn't have the money. I borrowed it. I, I was living out of my sacrifice. Now, those seven habits changed my life. They made me millions of dollars. They've helped me to help thousands of people around the world, hopefully millions one day. So what was that course worth? Was it worth 2,500 or was it worth a couple million? That's how you got to look at this. Absolutely. Yeah. Priceless. Priceless. Now, when I go to your website, you guys, CoachBert.com has all of his current programs. He even has a podcast, which we'll talk about next, where you can get free inspiration from him uh, consistently. But I also see that you are doing greatness factories with kids and teenagers. And that is something so near and dear to my heart because I started as a camp counselor working with kids. So tell me a little bit about that program. Yeah, and, I'm, and I've got you on Instagram right now because i got to keep building my Instagram followers. Yeah. You know? Yes, awesome. So here, here's the concept of the Greatness Factory. i got a Greatness Factory, and i got a Greatness Factory for kids. And these are two big things that I'm working on right now. I have a vision that God gave me to build Greatness Factories. And a Greatness Factory is a unique destination location where we manufacture greatness in the body, in the mind, in the heart, and in the spirit. So these Greatness Factories have all kinds of things. They got a gym for the for the body. They got uh, podcast studios, dream incubation room, permanent offices for rent, training facility, meditation spa. So I'm building these greatness factories where it is a hub of greatness where the best people in every community will come and learn for the body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit. These are physical buildings and locations okay so like where i do my monster producer training right now and all of my offices my team that's working here today we're at the greatness factory okay notice i didn't say the complacency factory it doesn't say the whining factory the excuse factory you can get that anywhere you can go to any business and walk in and get some of those things but but you don't get it here right now the greatness factory for kids is something that i've had on my heart because you were uh, worked with kids for many years you understand this 
is that I really inter-engineered those kids to win from 14 to 18 as a high school coach. And then I went a decade of focusing on business people. And my heart kept telling me, you're supposed to be doing something for kids. You're supposed to be doing something for kids. And I, listen, Denise, I, I would I would write it down and then make a line through it. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not doing anything for kids anymore. I'm doing things with adults. So I finally broke down and gave into that one day and said, okay, you're right. So I built an interactive online academy for kids called The Greatness Factor for Kids. Uh, a lot of the people in our coaching program have their kids going through it. We are now selling that online academy to schools, both public and private. My daughter's school is using it as part of their curriculum. And guess what it teaches? Information for the body, the mind, the heart, and the spirit. It has confidence, bounce back, how to handle rejection, how to be a leader, how to be in the transformation business. All the things that I was teaching those high school kids is now in short video form in modules with a workbook that they can work through. Those will eventually become schools, by the way, physical schools. Imagine your kids going to the greatness factory for kids and they're learning all the things they're never going to learn at school. So those are two big visions that I have that will really outlive me, hopefully. I mean, those, those are really part of my legacy, way beyond when I could speak, and write books and train. That's my long-term uh, legacy that I'm building. Mm, I love that. And and you're right. These are life skills that are going to make humanity better, <laughs> not history of the United States or, you know, whatever people. <laughs> a lot of times these success habits, these these inner intuition, these connecting with your I mean, all of the things that your mind, body, spirit and heart teaches are, are not things that kids are taught. And I feel like these are the skills that will elevate an entire generation. So what is your podcast about? Tell us about that. It's called, I wrote it down here. So I've got several podcasts. I've oh, got a, Super Coach is the one I saw. Tell me more. Super Coach is my main podcast. I typically do weekly and that is on one topic that I believe will move the needle. I have a core belief. I believe everybody needs a great, a great coach in their life. Every week I'm coaching people in that podcast. So that is my core podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Podcast Republic, anywhere you find a good podcast. Super Coach, and that's two words. That's one. Uh, I also have several other podcasts. I do Person of Interest, which is around one of my most popular books. That's where I interview people of interest. What's their story? How do they become a person of interest? What have they done? How do they live in such a fascinating life? That's a podcast I do. You can find on all those things. And then we have a new podcast that my wife and I do called Living with a Monster. And that is how to thrive in partnership when you're married to an obsessed and driven person. So we're doing conferences on this. She has a new book out on that. My new book is called Inside the Mind of a Monster because our program is called Monster Producer. She has written a book called Living with the Monster. And ultimately, we'll probably write Raising a Monster. So when you think about it, these are podcasts that we do every week. You can find those on iTunes as well. But great. And, but they cover different things. Super coach, motivation, coaching, business, personal of interest, how to raise your status, living with the monster for couples when you're living with a driven and obsessed person. So different concepts for different podcasts. So good. I feel like I may need to get that book for my husband. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like, oh my gosh, can't you just be happy? I'm like, um. <laughs> so good. Yeah, you need to give that to him as a Christmas present. I will. I will. That's so funny. Okay. So I know that you've got big vision, you've got big heart, and I love that you've been clear on what you want since you were 15 years old, because at the end of the day, you're right. Most people are in confusion and they don't even know what they want, which is why they don't have a personal vision and they're not connected and they're not excited about it. But you've had a personal vision and excitement, a calling since you were 15 years old, and you've been able to live that out in a lot of different 
different ways through basketball coaching, through teaching, business coaching, podcasts, books. There's a lot of ways you're living out your life's purpose. And that's so exciting because you can never be bored. <laughs> there's, so, there's always something to learn. But I know it's not necessarily always easy. Can you tell me about um, a setback you've had that you really had to kind of dig deep and overcome? I talk about a lot of setbacks that I've had, and I've had a, a lot of setbacks. I think we all have a desire to move towards something. I think when anything blocks that desire, that's where conflict comes in. Remember, I said that conflict is necessary for expansion. It's necessary for the emotion that you have. Uh, one particular setback I had at 25 years old is I went through a very debilitating breakup of a person I thought I was going to marry. And I went through six months of depression, clinical depression. I couldn't get out of bed. I was sick. I was also simultaneously the head coach while I was going through that. Just a miserable time of life, but necessary. As a result of that, I had a conclusion. Never allow another person to control your confidence. We need to diversify our confidence. We need to have different buckets to feed our confidence. So as a result of that, I wrote a book called Swag, which was how to build, maintain, and protect your greatest asset in your confidence. And guess what I was teaching this weekend to those people at that Relentless Retreat? The whole concept of how to build, maintain, and protect your greatest asset in your confidence. So thank goodness I went through that at 25. It was necessary for my expansion. That conflict, that's where the emotion came from to write the book to help a lot of people with their confidence. Mm. And, and when you're in the midst of that, you guys, knowing that there's an end and knowing like all, all things pass, right? And ne you'll never stay in that hurt forever. There is an end. And typically that's when you can look back and use that hurt for good. And now you've been able to take that hurt and transform it in a way that's really blessing the yes. world. Yes, absolutely. And that's the way you should look at all of it. You don't know that when you're going through it. But you the, the, just remember the conflict comes when there's a desire. Something is blocking that desire. Could be a person, could be an experience, could be something. But the emotion that comes from the conflict is very critical to your future success because now you're emotionally charged to a concept. Now it goes from being a, I should do this to I must do this. And, and there's a point of no return in there where it's like, you know, like with these greatness factories, it's not like, well, I should do it. It's I got to do it. It's not with the Kids Academy. I should do it. I'm supposed to do it. I'm, I'm going to do it. So that's a point of no return you need to reach. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you get there, it's like, if I don't do this, my soul will die. And there's yes. no option. My option is regardless of what the world thinks of it. It's not even about that. It's about creating what your your soul's desire, because there's an element of I must, I must. This is something people need. This is um, something that will add value into the world. And it's not my job to control or, you know, have even opinions on what the world is going to think I have to get this out of me. I have to, I have to make right. this happen. And when you do that, that's where the magic lies. Is there anything else you're working on right now that makes you excited? Obviously I've got a few new books that I'm working on that I feel like I've got to get out. I am going to take a book, the confidence book and, and, and turn it into a kid's book. Uh, of course in confidence, we need to get that out for our kids Academy because it gives me a tangible asset that people can work on. There's a few more books that I'm working on that I can't decide which one's coming out next. So I, I got to be involved in something. I just can't, allow myself to be static. I want to live in a dynamic state. I don't want to live in a static state. So we're looking at hosting our own monster nation conference. Uh, we're doing retreats with some of the best people in the world that people can come and participate in. I'm actively trying to grow the monster nation. So there's never a dull moment with us. It's always, uh, it's always a lot of things going on at the same time, but, but, but one big goal to help as many people as we can on planet earth. Awesome. Awesome. Is there one thing you do every day that you couldn't live without? Woo. 
one thing I do every day that I couldn't live without, I think learning something. I, I'm listening to something every day. I'm learning something new every day. I have a curiosity. Like, I think if you told me I'm taking away your YouTube and your podcast and your phone, I think I would, I think it'd, it'd drive me crazy because to me, I need, I, I need to keep moving. You know, that's, I need to be in progress of something. I need to be moving toward a dominant aspiration and I need, I need the information from other people to help me get there. Yeah, I feel like I thrive when I learn and teach, learn and teach, learn and teach. And so if I'm not learning, then I have nothing to teach. And <laughs> that's what I feel like. Right, right. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Coach Burt, for being a part of our podcast today. Guys, check out CoachBert.com. All the links to his books and his programs and his Instagram and social media and podcast and all of the things will be linked down below. And we just really, I really appreciate, I mean, it's an honor to have this time with you and um, you did not disappoint. I'm going to go sign up for all your stuff and be a part of your community too, because you're too, absolutely somebody I want to be around. Absolutely. Well, feelings mutual. Okay. What you're doing, I'm on, I'm on board with. Thank you 10 years ago for picking up that. And I remember, by the way, all of those book orders coming in and I'm like, who, who, is, buying, who, is, who is behind buying all these anatomy of winning books? Because I remember them coming in thinking there is something going on. There's a spike in Amazon. Yeah, so I just, I, that means the world to me. Really does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you have an amazing, amazing message and it's something that people really need. They're hungry for. And I want to say thank you for continuing to say yes to that, that fire in your belly. You know, you're consistently listening to your intuition and to that spark that drives you. And, and because of that, the ripple effect is you, you never know a decade later how it's going to impact people. So thank absolutely. you. Absolutely. Thank you. What an honor. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.